can I uh, read you some of the titles of these classified ads he looks through before he calls Lana? Oh my gosh, our, yes, you can. Which sets our film in motion. Yes. So we've got uh, one entitled Ugly, Ugly, Ugly. One entitled <laughs> Ugly, Ugly, Ugly. How did I not catch that? That's so weird. And the byline was like, I'm not average. I'm actually ugly. And if that's not what you're looking for, I'll try to make it up to you. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's not sexy. 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 I don't know what a sexy man. Welcome to That's Not Sexy with AJ and Alexis. So we're here today to talk about how the movies we grew up with gave us some really wild and uh, pretty unhealthy ideas about romantic relationships and sex. So join us this week as we revisit Risky Business and then probably tear it to shreds or send it to business school. (laughs) This podcast discusses sex, sexual violence, relationship issues, trauma, Explicit and or weird sexual situations, situations that you might find sexy and we really disagree, romantic encounters that make us feel icky, and a number of other things that aren't for everyone. This podcast may probably include words and phrases that you may find offensive. If you feel that any of this may not be for you, we understand. What are we doing today? Okay. What are we doing today? We're, what's the what's our going back in time? I don't know. That's our we're going back to the year 1983 sound. So 1983 risky business, which clearly I did not see when it just came out. No, we were very young I was children. Five. I saw it on cable. I think on Showtime as a junior high aged person. So uncut, but on cable. Yes, uncut, okay. but on cable. I thought this was the horniest fucking movie on earth. In my head, it was like very sexy, very racy. Yeah, there's two scenes that are, I would say there's one and a half scenes because really like the train scene is probably the most like, I wouldn't even call it risk. It's like kind of romantic in a way, but also when you're older, you're looking at it and you're like, those are like two 18 year olds having a what, and this just, train is filthy and he had to throw a homeless guy off the train so we could fuck this yes. lady. I'm like- had to physically remove a homeless man. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, shall I give you a little rundown of the year of 1983 just so that we can like set a stage? I want this? nothing more than that. And then I want to talk to you about log lines. It was the year that a federal judge permanently barred the Department of Health from implementing what they called the squeal rule, which is a terrible way of saying it, which is basically saying that if a young person who is under the age of 18 goes to a healthcare provider for sexual health and like birth control or all those kind of things, that's a protected situation. So it's basically barring the the parents from, you know, getting up in their kids' business about their sexual activities because rightfully so if a kid thinks that you know their parents are going to find out then they're not going to go and then they're not going to get the help that they need and that's awful so this was a really good thing and I was that that's impressive and I like that that's a huge Um, step in establishing sexual personhood for teens yeah 
which is yeah, obviously uh, amazing. being encroached on now. So at least hugely, you know. I, gosh so much of the research that I do for these movies is like why how are we still having either how are we still having the same conversation or how have we gone backward Backwards. in these conversations yeah I just oh and now just reading even like you could you pull up an article today in right. news that at random the stuff oh my god it's been a real it's really though. frustrating yeah point at something and it would be people trying to take away young people specifically women but young people's sexual autonomy um also i looked up uh sort of interesting facts about the chicago sex trade yeah i thought that, that would be interesting yeah and chicago has a long history of kind of being okay with it like maybe not having like you know amsterdam level red light district but yeah. i mean they were a pretty you know interesting city going well into the what were they i think someone's going to call me out on this, but I think that they were founded in 1830, late 1830s. The city of Chicago? Was, yeah, I think so. And I mean, it dates all the way back till then. And so the interesting thing is specifically in the 1980s and ding, early ding, 90s. Ding, 1837. 1837. <laughs> yeah. You win an orgasm and you win a Fabergé egg. <laughs> I was... I was close. Uh, I was in the right ballpark. Is you were there. Really, and that's all I ever want. <laughs> um, but they, because of the gentrification that happened in the 80s and 90s, this is an accurate portrayal of the direction that the sex industry in Chicago took because it did become more escort based because the neighborhoods that it had existed in prior to this were ones that you could drive to. Right. And then th because those neighborhoods got gentrified, all that kind of shut down. And so you had to perhaps get on the phone or something. Place a little oh. tiny ad. Yep. All our risky business. So there we go. That's the end of my rundown of 1983. So, so there you go. I mean, this is where we find ourselves. I love this yeah. stage with great bonhomie. <laughs> <laughs> so bring it. Log right, lines. Let's talk log lines. So one is a Chicago teenager is looking for fun at home while his parents are away, but the situation quickly gets out of hand. Doesn't it okay. though? <laughs> okay. Not bad. They okay. didn't want to give away any spoilers. Yeah. They're like, you'll never guess what this one's about. <laughs> you'll never guess what happens. Uh, or the tale of a sexually repressed North Shore high schooler who falls in lust with a trouble magnet call girl while his parents are on vacation. I enjoy the fact that they call her a call girl rather than a prostitute. I don't actually know the um, only because of the time period. Call girl is kind of like a an old school term. It say. sounds cute, kind of like I'm on call. I'm your girl. I'm on call. I'm in back page. I'm on call. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. So we know we're 1983. We know that Tom Cruise at this time was a a smaller character in a hugely in a hugely influential teen film, The Outsiders. Oh yeah. So he's in The Outsiders, but he doesn't make a big splash in that because honestly, he's not cute enough. Uh, because yeah. that movie with Rob Lowe and like, yeah. like Matt Dillon and C. Thomas Howell when he was young and cutie pie Ralph Macchio. And I think he was like, not very even, attractive. Yeah, even Ralph Macchio at that point had more edge than Tom Cruise did. And this was the movie that made him a star. Yeah, it was. And I will say, I... 
it, it should be no secret. I do not like Tom Cruise. Um, I, there's absolutely, if any Scientologists are listening to this, I'm so sorry you're in a cult. Uh, <laughs> so sorry that, that Tom Cruise is like real, real much the, the figurehead at the head of your cult. It's so bad. It's, yeah, it's so okay. bad. So I just, I, I do, I don't like him. Um, by the way, have you looked up Rebecca de Mornay now? I have looked her up as a part of my journey of understanding that this was her first movie. Yeah. She became she a sex so symbol. She was so cute. She is only in actuality three years older than Tom Cruise. So yeah, they're well, actually think, very cuddled. Yeah. At least it's not a gross age difference where right. you're like, ew, but that, that shouldn't be happening. They they actually could date and it would be fine. This launches her to become a huge sex symbol. But we also have Joey pants joey pants joey pants leon oh my god can i tell you a funny story about him uh hell yeah he somewhere i mean he probably doesn't still have it but he took a photo of me what in new york to test out his new digital camera i was at work and he had <laughs> just bought it and he was like do you mind if i take your photo i'm texting on my camera he it was which sounds like a line but he's a very nice person oh awesome he's he was very sweet he was very yeah he was very lo lovely um also balky is in this our little bronson pinchot i didn't know that his name was bronson i you never didn't? knew no because i just think of him as balky yeah i loved him yeah he's so just he's... He's so good and I then you have uh curtis armstrong who is absolutely fantastic as Dude. obviously uh for, for fellow lovers of um Better Off Dead, one of my favorite teen movies of all times. He's the best friend of John Cusack. He's Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. He is, uh, his character is always guy trying to get other people to make bad decisions. He is. He's bad decisions. <laughs> Inspirer guy. Yeah. He's best yeah. friend, bad decision guy. No good yeah. advice in this movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the dance scene comes right up, mm -hmm. right at the top of this. Mm -hmm. And I hate the fact that you can just tell from that scene that Tom Cruise is going to be a star. Yeah, yeah. I hate it, but you have to give him credit. Like It is brilliant. For his age yeah. to pull off such a well-done and vulnerable, that's a hard scene to film. Yeah, in and tidy whities Yeah, yeah. And I not mean, good, sexy tidy whities like guys wear in movies now where there are boxer no. briefs. These are white, thin material. Yes. Like little boy white undies yeah like it shows his age and also his overall whiteness yeah he's very white he's very white <laughs> by the way joel goodson his last i name can't is goodson. with the joel goodson let's get obvious, obvious he's just so oh god he's just so white in this movie it's so hard to this is the <laughs> I don't remember who said this recently, but it's, this is the most Caucasian of all Caucasian movies. Like, it's just so, it's extreme. So yeah, I don't know. He's a he's a high school kid that is clearly a virgin and surrounded by other kids who are very nerdy. His parents go out of town. He's a rich kid in that same neighborhood in Chicago, outside of Chicago, where all the John Hughes movies are set. Yes. Like the 80s. The 80s paradigm of rich white kids with stuffy parents that are going to go to Ivy. I feel like for, for me growing up in Cali in an apartment, all of those 80s into the early 90s John Hughes movies are all in this like Oak Park by the lake. Two-story yeah. brick, white trim, yes. stone. Like that in my mind was, that was wealth, right? Like yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Upper middle class wealth. Um, all of the kids in this movie are dressed like small adults. Yes. yes. It is terrifying. Yes, that was the thing I noticed. It felt like everybody was just practicing to be an adult. If they go out yeah. to dinner, they wear a suit jacket and a tie. Um, you know, yeah. Joel is always in a sweater and khakis. And it was- He's always like, in a, a button down a button with a down. sweater over it, which yes. I, even just seeing it, I'm like, oh, uncomfortable. So uncomfortable, I can't. Well, you grew up in Connecticut where this is how people dressed. I grew up in California yeah. where people were always in board shorts and shit. So in my mind, the East Coast, and by, I understand Chicago is not the East Coast, but by proxy, those were the- clean ivy yeah. league rich kids that wore button downs was it was also the time like the 80s yeah. I, there was definitely 80s and early 90s i can distinctly remember wearing some sort of collared shirt mm-hmm. it's ridiculous anyway the whole the all of the sex really comes out of the fact that his parents leave town for the weekend yeah leave them with the house and um some money Mm-hmm. and um apparently all the trust in the world yes because apparently he's never done anything before in the past nope make good choices make good choices says mom and uh his dad's porsche did i already say that but his dad's porsche gets left yep which he's, he's asked not, not to drive it he's asked <laughs> not to drive it he's asked to drive the station wagon which immediately means that you know that he's going to drive the porsche yep. and you know that he's going to have a party and something bad is going to happen so his friend, who we've already established is the key to all bad decisions, calls a number in the classified ads of the newspaper for an escort and gives his address and then hangs up. And he's like, well, it's done now. Like, she's coming over later. One of my Which- favorite things about that was like, he tells Curtis Armstrong, you know, give me the paperback, the listing so I can call and cancel it. Curtis, of course, eats it. <laughs> Yes. And in this day and age, I realize this is 83. There's not even star 69. You like, you can't no, get yeah. back to the last number. You also no. don't have redial. Forget oh about God. cell phones. Forget about, there's not even like nothing years later. It's like, you just can't call a person back. No, you don't have their number. No, it was one called- of those weird things of how dated it is. Cause we've been doing some nineties movies or late eighties. Even the difference yeah. between 83 and 88 is big. Is, yeah. Yeah, there was a huge technological advance in the 80s and early 90s. Like, we leapt forward. Not a lot, but we did leap forward. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous when we're talking about our leaps now. <laughs> we're talking about, like, AI making oh my decisions God. for us. But yeah. It, but, but yeah, we went from when we were a kid not even being able to redial someone on a phone. Yeah, yeah. you would just be <laughs> like, I to- wish I had that number. So with all the sensitivity in the world... Um, there's no real good way of talking about what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, the person, the individual that comes that night to his house and rings the doorbell is Jackie, which by the way, I love Jackie so much. Jackie is without question my favorite character in the whole movie. Jackie is incredible and she's got a great business acumen. I feel like Jackie, and we can, we'll talk more about this, I hope, because yeah. I'm very interested in the role of capitalism in this movie. Mm. Um, and the role of bu- being busy at business as being sort of yes. the main goal of life. So right? 80s. So, so 80s. 80s. But I like it that she's got her mind on her money. She's like, look, I get it. The white boys like you that live off the lake are attracted to girls like Lana. So pay yeah. me for my time. Yep. I'll give you her number. This yep. is business. And I kind of liked yeah. that her, her mind was on her. And I thought the movie didn't like, he didn't, 
she's a trans woman. Yes. That that was a thing that I actually yeah. looked into because he is a crossdresser in this movie. So I see. you're you are which according to the NYCLU, that is an acceptable term because we don't know how he identifies. That is not addressed. So that makes sense. We just know that he is uh, he is male by birth yes. and he is dressed he's in dressed what we think as, a, of as feminine as a woman. Exactly. But we don't know the backstory of where he's trying to take that or yes. and that's all cool. And he comes across as a gay man mm-hmm. in in women's clothes, you know, traditionally women's clothing. So that's like the character as he's portrayed in it. Um, yeah. I will say I was very nervous because I remember that there was a, a, a cross-dressing person. And I was actually, I mean, I don't want to damn with fate praise, but in my mind, I was prepared to be like. Oh, I thought it was the, so much. I Yeah, my so memory cringy? of it was so much more cringe. And it actually was quite kind like the way yeah. that tom cruise's character um he doesn't roll his eyes he's not no. put out. he's just like i'm sorry like i i just oh he's so apologetic you know. yeah he's so nice he pays her for her time yeah without question the only thing that i i had issue with is that it was a joke about something that in reality could have gotten jackie killed <laughs> i mean yes i agree jackie is really in a vulnerable position and many times, cross-dressing women, trans women, transvestite women, however we look at the time, are are, are victims of violence. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I agree. It, but I was surprised that, like, I also like it when Joel gives a fake name and, and Jackie's like, Joel, just open the door and we'll figure it out. Like, yeah. he's like, we don't need to have this nonsense. And it's also like Jackie is a person of substance. Yeah. And, and the movie wasn't, you know, I liked it. I could have used a whole, you are. <laughs> I could have used a whole like 20 minutes more of Jackie, but I understand that's not where the movie was going. And I also think it holds a little bit of a, a little bit of a magnifying glass to this whole capitalism Mm -hmm. during early Reagan America. Curtis Armstrong says, sometimes you got to say what the fuck. Saying what the fuck gives you freedom and freedom makes opportunity. Mm -hmm. So it's this very sort of like, you're an uptight kid that wants to get into an Ivy, but you're kind of a mediocre student, but you're enculturated that this is what you want. He's in the future entrepreneurs and future enterprisers club. Future enterprisers club. Well, he's legacy at Princeton. Yes. And that is not a small note in this movie because mm-hmm. legacy um, enrollment in Ivy League has been a big problem. Like, no, your dad went there, your legacy, you'll probably get in. Spoiler alert. Does Spoiler get- alert. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to know whether it was legacy or the fact that he, like, in in theory, the gentleman from Princeton that came to visit him later in the movie uh, has some, uh, has fun times. Yes. With- he was looking for fun. Yes. Princeton guy. Professional women that were at the house at the time, which I loved. Can I uh, read you? some of the titles of these classified ads he looks through before he calls Lana. Oh my gosh, yes, you can. Which sets our film in motion. Yes. So we've got uh, one entitled Ugly, Ugly, Ugly. One entitled (laughs) Ugly, Ugly, Ugly. How did I not catch that? It's so weird. And the byline was like, I'm not average, I'm actually ugly. And if that's not what you're looking for, I'll try to make it up to you. Oh my God, that's amazing. Okay, keep going. And then we have... um, Centerfold dreams. I do everything. Come two or three times. Whoa. Yeah. Great option. I mean, that's a great offer. Wow. Um, I mean, it's very, it's very beautiful. 
forward. Then we've got Southern Comfort. <laughs> then we've got Girls Any Age, which oh, I like a lot that. less. Yeah, I'm not yeah. happy. Don't don't love that. Don't love Let's it. Go we, back to Southern Comfort. Go back. We got the Swingers Hotline. Okay. So, okay. Cool. A little bit for everyone. And we've got uh, French Latin Afro. French Latin Afro. I don't know. It sounds gorgeous. It sounds, you get a beautiful person. Yeah. Sounds um, absolutely stunning. And then my favorite is, for some reason, the final one was tits, short arm with big tits and a small box. That what? was the final classified ad. I'm so glad that you looked at these because <laughs> I, and I can't believe that I didn't. I think I was tired and I just like, I just sort of phased it out that he was because it goes through and crosses yeah. out yeah I wish my job were to write I wish I would have been hired as a six-year-old and in, in, in 1983 <laughs> to write these classified ads because oh it would God. we should do it as a writing prompt one day because go if you go back everybody watch this movie and re pause because <laughs> someone wrote these yes it was amazing it was amazing I love it so what happens he, he he gives up on the ads he doesn't call girls 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 he doesn't call any of those. Um, and he, so he finally gives in and calls Lana. And even though he's super nervous, somehow passes out on the couch waiting for her. Would which, you pass out before your magic you know Mike style male escort show? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, but I'm also not a late teens boy mm -hmm. who that's, it. that's not actually that surprising, but the way that she enters the house is so dramatic. I mean, she, she rings the doorbell. He does not answer because he's passed out on the couch. And then she sort of like blows open the back door with so many leaves so many leaves just come into the dining room it's just a it's just a sea of wind and leaves yeah and she's wearing a sundress throughout this whole thing she is vastly underdressed always everyone's I mean, in sweaters and cargo yes. pants or chinos not her it's fun let's just go on the ride yeah but right off the bat we know that his mother if you were paying attention gave him 120 dollars. he then gave 70 of that to jackie yeah for the cab and for her time yep. which leaves him with 50 dollars. right which is bold to call someone yeah who you have no idea how much they charge to not ask them how much they charge and to just assume that even though jackie took 70 dollars, that this woman would be 50 or under yeah lana will go 45 and tip me five. As, oh my gosh as, as soon as she blows into the back door yes he, i don't know why he wouldn't have been like definitely more than 50 dollars <laughs> without question this woman is going to cost more than that and I do also love that in this scene, as he's entirely put money out of his mind, when they get down to business, mm -hmm. he goes from awkward teenager to like knows all of his angles. Yes. And, you know, granted, at some point, I'm sure she's directing him because she has more of a, you know, the the experience here. Yeah. But I mean, like, it, I really didn't read as awkward fumbling it it read yeah. as i've done this in the past and he's a red hot lover yeah yeah i mean it, it's not like you said it's not explicit but they they have the in her her naked in front of the back and door she with is the, naked naked totally naked and a and great he body is where he is wearing a button-down shirt a sweater and corduroy pants <laughs> and he's just rubbing he's behind her and he's, he's just rubbing just against her rubbing against this very nubile she's so odd. stunning and and it's it's like 
men are always fully clothed. Like we've like uh in in uh fatal attraction. In oh yeah, nine and, and a half weeks. weeks. Like the dudes are just like, let me grind on you in my cords in yes. your and she's gotta be chilly too. There's leaves blowing everywhere. And she yeah. is fully nude. But one thing I noticed that I definitely didn't pick up on when I was a kid, the second the dream sequence stylized sex starts, mm-hmm. the tangerine dream comes on. Yeah. What was fascinating is to me, from that moment through their night of lovemaking, there are no sound ups from them ever. It's just the soundtrack and there's no Nat sound yeah. at all. Yes. It separates you from it being a sex scene into it being a music video, right? Because no one, there's no noises. He doesn't grunt. Yeah. She doesn't say, way to fuck me, Big Ralph, because he says, it's <laughs> Ralph. you know, it's, stylized. I, I, it's yeah. very, and, and, you know, maybe part of that has to do with the fact that it's a teen movie, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a teen sex movie and, yeah. you know, the eighties had a lot of those. I liked it because I felt like it was less icky, uh, yeah. considering the fact that they are, Again, I, I, we're assuming that he is 18 and she's, you know, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. So it's not it's not necessarily that. It's just like, give it the awkwardness or give it the fun. Yeah, it's shiny. Uh, it. Yeah, it's shiny. It shouldn't be nine and a half weeks. It no. should be Tangerine Dream. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, no, good point. It didn't have any, there was there was a not a nary a moan to be heard nary throughout the entire and also, um, uh, starting my trend of seeing movies where people are boning on stairs. Oh my Why? god! Why? 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 I, I wrote down, down. Go to the landing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously. I, okay. To- so the stairs look monumentally uncomfortable. Yeah. No. And I don't understand why in this house they don't go upstairs, and. I understand that they wouldn't want to go into his room because his right. room is like, you know, teenage boy room. That's not yeah. what he wants to portray. And I understand they don't want to go into his parents' room. But I, this man has a Porsche in the in the, uh, yep. the garage. You can see the house from the outside. This is not a two-bedroom home. There you got is, guest rooms. Well, there is a well-appointed one yes. or two guest rooms on the yes. second floor. I even went on Zillow. <laughs> I swear to God. Yes, you did. And looked for the neighbor. Yes, you did. And it was like average five bedroom. Oh, so, and you know there's a Laura Ashley fucking comforter on that bed. Maybe it's a four poster bed. One hundred percent. Yeah, and, and it's also a deep pile carpet. Why do you go upstairs? There's just so much floral. Oh, it's so much. There's valances on the window no, and like three inch pile carpet. It's so soft. You should fucking carpet like that. Oh yes, do it Get on the lost floor. In it. I, it's just the, there was just no way, no. like at one point earlier in it, in the movie, I think it was earlier. I, I could be wrong, but his Did friend comes sequence? over with his girlfriend. Oh yeah. And it's earlier. Like, Nowhere to go. Can yeah. we use your room? And he goes, yeah, I'll just go upstairs and use my bedroom. Yeah. And I'm like, yet again, is there not a guest room in this house? Is there, I mean, or an office, like, you know, there's an office. Yeah. Go in also, there. It's a horny movie. I will say, um, and we'll talk about, I'd love to talk about this later, this idea that I've been thinking a lot about, and I read a cool article on about how the, the title of the, of the article was like all oh, moose bullshit. Everyone is beautiful and no one is horny. And it's about oh. the evolution of films where people keep getting more and more attractive, better and better bodies, more and more fit, side characters, people at the restaurant, everybody. Mm-hmm. But movies nowadays are not horny. It, people are not, they're not writing like horny movies and and there's a lot to be talked about like 
it used to be in like fucking poltergeist the parents before shit goes crazy are an average middle-aged couple he's got a little bit of a gut she's nice looking but normal and mm -hmm. even they have a frisky little faux sex scene where they're joking around and at the end of the scene he kind of climbs on top of her and it's clear they're gonna fuck because movies used to just show people as being sexual and the kids in this movie are horny yeah yeah like, very much they so. are a horn and even when joel's with his friends playing poker they're talking about masturbating. They're talking about his sex dream that he fucks the babysitter. Like yeah, when they're talking about the the no, it wasn't a sex dream. He he fucks the babysitter. He told them he did fuck the babysitter. Oh, you're the next right. Door neighbor we see babysitter. the dream. We see his lies because right. he, even in even in real life he can't do it because he's too. That's and that's his whole character is like that's right. he can't not he can't perform, but he can't get himself to to he's be a okay. good boy comfortable yeah this yeah. is good boy i guess i mean his dream sequence is that when he's hooking up with the babysitter the police surround the house and her father shows up right <laughs> and and that the and then he's in an exam room that's right that's right and his, his mom's like you shame. ruined your future and it all comes down to the fact that he had sex with the babysitter next door this boy's got a lot to unpack oh it's so sad they should just be allowed to do whatever they want I mean, within reason, safely. Right. And they, yeah, so to, to get back to their definitely not worth $50 or, you know, as low as $50 sex scene, the, in the last <laughs> the last position that they're in is him on the bottom and her straddling him in an office chair in which her toes barely reach the ground. How? And I was like, no, no. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those bouncy Eames chair kind oh, of things. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way. No. You're gonna is... roll. She's got no purchase. I was like, she's got her her legs are too no, they're too akimbo. Just, so, yeah, so I had I had I had a big problem with that. So they have what is clearly a very fun night, mm -hmm. and then somehow in the next morning, she's like up before him, makes yep. a full breakfast for herself, yes. yep. gets the paper, sits down. She's got coffee. She's fully showered. Different change of clothes. Oh, Great. Pair of high waisted Jordache jeans and a bodysuit. Her that you could wear now. You could wear it. Her now. outfit, seriously, her outfit, so badly wants it. Yeah, she looks great. <gasps> She's got a little chevron print going on on yeah. her on her bodysuit. I loved it. And so it's pink much. on it pink. So good. Pink on pink. Loved it. Amazing. Loved it. But now so, she's sassy. She's not the Lana we got to know for one second before. No, because she she's a businesswoman. Yeah, she's she busy. Is, business. She, is, she is now back to business. Yep. She is she is channeling her inner Jackie. Yeah. And she asks him for her three hundred dollars, which in with inflation would be nine hundred dollars today. So okay, honestly, an accurate. I think that that's a correct amount of money for someone who is in her what what we are supposed to assume her position is as far as her level of uh professionalism class experience all of that like she is a high-end escort sex worker when she's she, offering a bespoke service to a, a, an elite she comes to you. At, at your home yep yep so and the, so he has no money no and he so has must $50. Leave. he has 50 dollars, which is clearly not enough and no she will not take a check and uh, so he goes to the bank to cash in his savings bond that his grandparents gave him for Christmas or his birthday. I can't remember which. I think it might have been his birthday, actually. But his grandparents will have then paid for his first sexual experience, which honestly, five stars, five out of five. Love it. Love it. Love it. All these dumbass, horny, rich kids have can cash a bond. 
Did you have bonds as a teenager that you could randomly cash? I no. didn't. I had the government cheese. <laughs> government cheese. You know what? Here's the here's the thing. I did have bonds. Okay. That I cashed in way too early because oh. we needed to buy food at one point in my life. Mm -hmm. my so they were late food bonds. In my late teens. I mean, they weren't supposed to be, but they were for my grandparents. I don't know. They weren't. In, they were just. I think they were just in my stuff. They weren't in like a savings, uh, a safe deposit box. A safe deposit box. That's how poor, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I have never had one. My it always seems one. so fancy. Like, and you had to have two, yes. in all the movies, like you had to have two keys. Yep. And that they keys. had to come in with you and they, and they turn it together. It they always was to very rich people to me. Like, what would you need yes. to put in a, in a safety deposit box? Your bonds, your bonds, your uh, uncut your diamonds, your uncut gems, mm -hmm. your your papers, mm -hmm. papers, um, your paperwork, whatever that is, mm -hmm. um, your will, your last will and testament, mm -hmm. because we can't have that uh, going astray. Um, probably some jewelry that you inherited mm -hmm. and is of value but are never going to wear. Okay. Um, or if you were your, a Nazi or something, you would have to have the proof hidden. Yes. Yes. Anything that if might you tie you to a previous life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, any alternate forms of identification, right? In case right. you needed that to escape the country. Big wad of um, cash. And a big wad of cash with a band around it. Well, you have to have it or rubber band. Yeah. Thick. Yeah. A why? Yeah, that's why I never had one. I know because <laughs> I don't have any of those things. <laughs> it's so sad. So he does his part, right? He gets that bond. He gets the bond, returns to his house, and you know what? I can't blame her, but she's she has pieced out. She told him that she's not a waiter. She's she's not going to wait around. She's got stuff to do. She's got she's got bills to pay, and so she steals his mother's glass egg, yes. solid glass, like crystal egg. Yes. It yes. is in the center. <laughs> it's in the center of their fireplace, and it's on a light up stand so yep. it lights from underneath yeah the whole thing is so gaudy and so weird and also cut to the very end of this movie spoiler alert it does return like it's back yes. and it's the first thing his mom goes to check when she walks into the house is the damn egg and i'm like she loves this egg more than she loves, she loves it i, I always thought understand. it was it's so ugly i always thought it was a faberge egg but then i was reading the review of this film by roger ebert and it's not a Fabergé egg. It's called like uh, a, it, a Latouche egg that I've never heard oh of. Oh my God, I've never heard of that. But I guess well, they're it, expensive, dumbass eggs. Isn't Fabergé a painted egg? Isn't that like an actual painted egg, egg painted? Yes. But I was a stupid kid and the only expensive egg I ever heard of was a Fabergé egg and a Cadbury egg. I mean, egg. It, oh my God, I want one of those so and bad now. Thanks. That jizzy, yeah. like white and yellow cream inside. I don't it. even know what it is. It's so good. I don't care. I would rather have no. that than a Fabergé egg or this I, Same, 100%. My, my grandmother had a Fabergé egg and I used oh. to be able to every once in a while look at it. I guess that was a thing like a way to show your money in that era would be to have a belonging yeah. that had a cachet. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, um, a good set of china or something was like a way to say, you know, yeah. we have, we have some money. Or we have so class. Lana, Lana chose wisely. Yeah, she took that. <laughs> she she egg. was like, I'm taking the egg and I'm out of here. Um, and I, I thought that it was actually very smart that when Joel, like when he realizes what has happened, he calls Jackie 
to find out where where she thinks the yeah. Lana went and where yeah. he could find her. And she suggests a very high-end hotel um, in Chicago and sees her and she's there. And then they need to escape Joey Pants. Yeah, because this is where we meet Guido. This is where we meet... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. My favorite line in this this whole movie is from Curtis in the back of the escaping vehicle in the back of the Porsche, speed careening wildly down the streets of Chicago. He leans forward and says, "I don't believe this. I have a trig mid midterm tomorrow, and I'm being chased by Guido the Killer Pimp." Guido the Killer Pimp. I it's love so it. good. It's so. I just. I love it so much. My other favorite moment in that scene is that so Guido was chasing them because Lana wants to stop having a pimp and she's sort of conveniently using Joel but one of my favorite things is when Joel is Tom Cruise is yelling at Guido to kind of back off he calls him Buster <laughs> Buster <laughs> yes this is when rich kids were just like horny little businessmen horny little grown-ups tie ties and jackets it was in an era where like even their slang, they're like, don't be a dope. You're a real buster. It was like they were written to sound like adults as opposed to having a vernacular that adults find impenetrable. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, that's your goal is march into adulthood. Um, yeah, one I little would say, Springer, like say fuck it once. It was one Rumspringer. Like then, you know, yeah. get on the corner. Get back on the straight and narrow or else yeah. you're not going to Princeton. Yeah. Well, you know, you're right because like even a few years later, they would have a toy gun or something. And flash oh it. God. You know yeah. what I mean? It would be like I could kick your ass. But these guys yeah. are young Republican future <laughs> business people yes. that are like, I'm gonna flash you my dad's law credentials. Oh, you know, I'm yeah. gonna I, you know, I will I will sue you, Guido the killer pimp. It's like, okay. Mm, I did so this part of it, I actually um this is where I was interested in the way that you thought about the portrayal of sex work in this movie because sort of similarly to the treatment of Jackie as mm -hmm. as a character the treatment of sex work as a character in the movie it's not treated as something dirty mm -hmm. no. it's not treated as something shameful even though he's nervous about it, it, it and it makes him you know feel all, all the different awkward ways I think he feels like that. It's it's apparent that he feels like that because he's uncomfortable with sex. Right. And as soon as he becomes comfortable with the idea of sex, then the whole thing is fine. And it puts it on becomes, the sunglasses with his blazer. Oh my God. They immediately just become people who both simultaneously run a high-end brothel and also on the weekends hold um under the you know underground poker tournaments. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. <laughs> the the dark sunglasses is so they were like, we have to use the dark sunglasses throughout the movie at different times because yes. that's going to, that's going to, then you know it's the 80s. Oh my God. I, I agree. Well, one thing I thought was interesting is that, you know, she, it's her, I, I didn't remember this correctly. It's her idea to start the brothel. Yes. It's not his, it's hers. She's the business friend, woman. She's the business woman. When, her, when his friend comes over, the fuck boy <laughs> yeah. has sex with her friend mm -hmm. and pays for it, then they give a kickback. They Joel. try to give the kickback yeah. to Joel and he doesn't take it because he's yeah. too nice. He's like, no, that's your money. No, no, no. But I like it that, well, okay. It, it's one of those things where it's like, if you let it implode on itself, it all gets really weird. Because on the one hand, you're like, she's trying to better her life. 
and yeah. she has a smart idea. These are rich kids that want to fuck. And mm -hmm. also she's like, her friend says it like they're clean, they're quick and they pay. So yeah. there's like the, there's the sad side of it, but there's also the thing where she's like, look, I run a business. This is a great opportunity. And she, and I like it when she tells Joel at one point, my mind is always turning. It's always turning. I'm always thinking yeah. about the angles. And I'm like, that's an interesting way to portray that dynamic. Also, it's funny because her dream is the same capitalist dream. Oh yeah. I mean, of she, everybody, she's not a breakaway. No, she wants it, to be successful and she yeah. doesn't, like, at no point does she say that this is her life career choice or anything like that mm -hmm. I mean and that's the thing it does glamorize the position that she has obviously been forced into because yeah. of her family life so it just I mean it touches on it but so briefly and then just glosses yeah. over it so again it's of the time whatever it is what it is not every movie needs to be a social statement but I it is definitely a glamorization of it I will say I would rather have them treat it like this than yeah. have them treat her as though she is less than because throughout the whole thing, the women are the ones that are treated as though they are the ones in charge. And I did like that, yeah. even though we could have probably done without Guido the killer pimp. Uh, can I read you what Roger Ebert had to say about the very question you were asking me? Yes. He says, uh, when he's finally running a brothel out of his house, it is not treated as a questionable or despicable way to profit off of women having sex with teenagers. It's treated as uh, wild fun. There's a great line that Joel says about Lana in the film. She says uh, that all Lana cares about is the shameless pursuit of money. She's a real capitalist. Because that's what, and that's so right. 80s. I mean, it's a theme of the 80s. That mm -hmm. is, that is the most attractive thing that you could be mm -hmm. is like a you know a young capitalist someone who gets it and and knows what they're doing and and sees a business opportunity whatever that business opportunity might be and is and pounces on it yep I, I love, love it. it by the way I meant to say it at the beginning but I don't totally understand how many days his parents were out of town I think I it's four are they going for six weeks, four days, nine days? I think it's, I think it's four days and it is a, a whirlwind. A whirlwind. It's a rock'em sock'em four days. It's basically a long weekend and somehow all of this happens. For those who don't remember it, obviously his dad's Porsche slides into Lake Michigan. Boom. That, that happens. The car comically is full of water and fish when it gets to the mechanic shop indicating <laughs> they they do not like the fact that it was full of fish they do not so the car is full of fish and water when they get to the garage and it is a beautiful mint condition porsche and we are expected to believe that this mechanic not only has the immediate time to fully refurbish this car that has gone into the lake but also like we're just expected that that can happen in under 24 hours because i think that the turnaround on it is like is less than a day i can't get like a bumper painted in less than four days so, i don't even I mean, think I, you people know. call me back in that amount of yeah. time like i've called and been like can I, somebody please fix my car it was um, crazy. also so, they're just such good boys they're just so m good in terms of they're also good they're like yeah there's there's not a bad there really isn't a bad one in the bunch as far as being garbage like they're right they they are all nice kids 
and 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 they're and horny very <laughs> horny 80s like it's like this is like the 80s got rich kids that don't rebel against being rich kids which later you get a whole trope of movies of rich kids that hate being rich and they push back against it and they don't buy into the, the capitalist dream but these kids are like yeah of course yeah the i think that the the idea is that this is their uh their chance to sort of like break loose and have some fun before they all go off to become lawyers and politicians i wouldn't even put doctor in there at some point they're discussing uh how much money different positions make uh, after graduation and the two examples that they use of um entry-level salaries that they're like wowed by are forty thousand and sixty thousand dollars a year for these two different entry-level positions and i was like sweet 1983 sweet 1983 the only difference now is that it's the same salary range except for we're not impressed by it (laughs) and i think that that's actually that actually kind of hit me because i was like yeah that is actually the salary range of of entry-level jobs now in a lot of arenas and that's crazy because that was the same then like that's wild there's this line where everyone's saying they're going to get their MBA. They're going to go into business. And Joel says, I actually want to go into something where I can help people and change the world and be a, be like a a citizen that helps people. They all start laughing hilarious. Whereas now a movie set now with high school kids getting ready to go to college, entirely different. You might have one capitalist in there, but people would hate him. I did work out because I, I got the numbers because I just wanted to figure out what was possible and what's it. So like, I did find out that the total cost of the the car that he was driving, which is a 1979 Porsche 928. I am definitely saying that wrong. Um, so it it topped out the high end, fully loaded version of that car topped out at 10 grand. So suspending the disbelief that this man had all of the parts uh, on hand, it is actually possible that if he made eight thousand dollars that he made that night. Okay. With all the girls, which is almost $30,000 today, by the way, one night. But if he did make the $8,000 that night, he could potentially, yes, have paid for the car to get fixed. But for the car and to pay for all of his furniture and the egg back? That part is crazy. I did the whole math of breakdown of how many people. So they would have needed in order to make $8,000 if each one of them is charging $300. Are they charging $300 a head? I was just assuming that they are. Okay, let's do it. Whatever, even though seemingly some of the girls are charging less. That would mean that they need a minimum of 27 boys um, with at least $300 each to spend. And if we're thinking that it, they sort of indicated it was about like a two to one ratio as far as the men to women. So that's 14 women. There would be a total of 41 people in the house that night. And that sounds like it doesn't just sound like a lot of kids. they're just coming in, cycling through. Well, if the thing is, it doesn't sound like that many boys, except for the fact that they're all available at the drop of a hat and they had one afternoon to rally them all together to get them over there. Now, do I think it would be hard to get a bunch of teenage boys with the promise of sex to get together on a a Friday night or whatever it is? Um, No, I think that would probably be pretty easy, but just they had a small amount of time in which to do it. And then again, and if that is the case, 
I still think that there was uh, probably only about 14 or 15 girls there because they all were exhausted at the end of the night. These are young quick drum McDraw. Oh yeah. No, this is not, this This is is not uh, red hot to our love. No, I bet they got away with some BJs. This is some five minutes and we're done kind of situation. And they're like, move on, you know, so you could kind of, I think you could do it physically. So if each one of them is bringing $300, then you're going to need, you know, just, that's just crazy. Well, think about this. If every boy had the exact $300 treasury bond that Joel had, because we saw yeah, the somehow all got the same Christmas all, present. I mean, you could do it, but here's what I will say. Someone's telling an older sibling or a sister's going to find out and tell the parents. I, I don't think there's a way to get away with it. Also, what about neighbors? This is a rich neighborhood and they've had a cavalcade. The cops never show up. Oh God. I mean, I mean, you know, they've got private security in this neighborhood because they like to keep the police out of little things, but even the, you didn't even have a nod to it. Like the private security being like, Hey, Joel, your parents are out of town. Like, yeah, nobody, no no. noise complaint, no Mm -hmm. nothing. Everyone's Mm -hmm. just totally fine with it. They, they were like, if we're going uh, on the unbelievableness of the whole story anyway, then let's just go full. full Yeah. Fuck it. So. It's really a capitalist metaphor. So they're like, uh, you know, but they succeed. Uh-huh. They have a great night. Yeah, it's amazing. And then at the end, Lana wants to go. She wants to leave the, yeah. the now wind, wound down party. And she wants to go have sex on a real train. Yeah. They have Which, to wait for all of the other passengers to get off the train. I'll oh. say this was maybe the most disappointing sex scene for me because for whatever reason, I literally fantasize this scene you made being, it better in your brain yes as being like yeah. the height of eroticism yeah and I definitely have a lot of fantasies that would be surrounded by something like this like yeah. from this like sex on an airplane sex on a train sex in a car not while it was moving yeah but you know and that it looked so erotic in my head and when I was watching it uh the other day I was like is this in slow-mo and again, dead <laughs> silent. It's just Tangerine Dream. You, They, again, dead silent from them. No noise. After they've escorted the homeless Yes, guy. yes. Um, and it's again, just, like a music also, video. Yeah, it played much more like a music video and much less like a sex tape and was more, um, it didn't show, I mean, it, it, it shows a little bit. Yeah. And I think that you're just supposed to run with it. I think that part of the reason that your brain thought that it was more erotic than it was is because it did what it was supposed to do in a teenage brain. That makes sense. It, yeah, it made me feel erotic-ish, erotic-adjacent feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> From a movie it that's was, not it that, was, it's horny, but it's not really that sexy. The movie, I don't yeah. think. Well, no, that, that scene was kind of sexy. Yeah. Well, to me as a teenager, it was sexy. Now it's more, look at those kids having sex on a yeah. train um and that as a former new yorker i would have been so annoyed if i was getting on a train i mean better than some of the things that i've entered into a train car and then turned around and got out of it for oh dear but, god uh i've never knock on wood never gotten onto a train car and encountered two people actively in coitus yeah i'm trying to think no i've never no i haven't probably i mean I was going to say probably because New York train, uh, New York subways are gross, but that never stopped anyone from doing anything. That real train was yeah. gross. Yeah, that I mean, 1983 this was 1980s. Chicago. Oh, not that's sorry, 1983 Chicago. Sorry, you not good. Nick, 
and it couldn't have smelled good <laughs> like no. the smell of that no new 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 um yeah and somehow he just i mean manages to pull it all together by the end of it and get all of his get all of the you know the house put back together and like nothing happened and then he gets into princeton and everything's fine and they sort of indicate that that they stay together and and our boyfriend girlfriend after that which i think is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. they really don't have anything in common <laughs> no would you like to know what the director said he was trying to do with the movie oh yes i definitely would then we have our thoughts yes um, i have my thoughts so the director says what i was inspired by greatly is bernardo bertolucci's the conformist I was writing it in the time just after Reagan had taken office and everyone wanted to be a little capitalist, get their MBAs and wear power suspenders. I thought that's all dandy, but life is more complex and darker than that. It's tough out there. Capitalism takes its toll on a lot of people. And he said the working title for the movie was White Boys Off the Lake. Oh my God. Excellent. Better title. Yeah. A better title. But better I thought title that probably would have pissed people off. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because he was trying to make an anti-capitalist movie. That's interesting. But I definitely, it didn't work on me that way because I didn't, I definitely didn't view, what's funny is when I watched it maybe in 90, it didn't occur to me the capitalism part or not. And I think it's because we grew up in it. It was just like, I thought it was a sexy, a sexy, funny movie where Guido the Pimp was scary, but funny. And they had a brothel. The capitalism thing didn't even ring true. And this movie, the whole way through, I was like, this movie isn't really about sex. It's really about capitalism. Commerce. <laughs> yeah. Commerce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe if you start a small business, it doesn't portray what they did in a negative light. It no. makes it seem as though if you just have an idea and enough drive, you can make anything happen. Do you think Roger Ebert liked this movie? We tend to use him as our tentpole reviewer. I do think he liked it. Ding, ding, ding. He liked it. And he said this about it. It's a movie about adolescent guilt, male adolescent guilt. One of the smartest, funniest, most perceptive satires in a long time. It not only invites comparisons with the graduate, it earns it. Here's a great comedy about teenage sex. Yeah. So, I mean, I would probably have, I mean, I would never have put it as eloquently as that, but I probably would have agreed. I I saw a movie where capitalism worked and greed worked, right? And it ends with the line, Tommy, your life, eh, kid? But there's nothing bittersweet about it because it is. This guy's had yeah. a great time and now he can take his place at Princeton after mm-hmm. after doing something a little naughty. A little like, bit naughty. A little well, naughty. Well, they also portray it like that as though yeah. it's just a little bit naughty. But had you actually been in that house that night, it was just like body fluids and it would smell and it would be dirty and like there's just no fucking way. VD, <laughs> chlamydia. Oh. Pregnancy Just, also. Oh, so much gross. Also, uh, AIDS ooh. is happening at this point, but no one's talking about oh, AIDS. Yeah, it's happening. As far as they're concerned, it's not yeah. happening to them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Thanks, no condoms. In, there's no condoms. Thanks, Reagan, and your Thanks, jelly Reagan. beans. Yeah, Fuck you. Good job. What do you think? Is it sexy? Is oh, risky business gosh. sexy? What's our final? What's our final assessment? All right. My final assessment is it is sexy in its time okay. for its age group. That, that I think that's fair. Yeah. I found it 0% sexy as an adult now. Yeah. Like but it was I just did enter- think it was sexy entertaining. As a yeah. Yeah. I did too. 
And it did make me want to explore being on top. Yeah. I mean, day it, and it checking out a fun. train. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to take a dress off so much with a guy in cords just sort of touching me. That no, was not, I, I wasn't either. inspired to no. that. No, no. I felt like it was actually, it, it left me with a good feeling about sex rather than anything shameful, which yep. I appreciate. Yeah. Especially Huge. for a teen sex romp. Yeah. I love, I mean, I loved it. I, 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 I loved, yeah. I loved, I loved like revisiting it. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to recommend it to anyone. I had so much fun. I can't wait. I'm already excited for the next one. Are we staying in the eighties? We're going to go right into basic instinct because oh I feel God. like we've had enough of a palate cleanser with this one. Cause this was such like a fun one Yep. that we need to go directly into just mayhem. We'll see. We'll see you one. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. I like you, Lex. So much. Bye. Bye. Kisses. Okay, we did it. Thanks for deconstructing risky business with us. If you like this podcast, please go and give us a review. It would mean the world to us, really. And if you didn't like this podcast, you are free to never listen again and tell no one about it. You can follow us for updates on Instagram at That's Not Sexy Pod or send us uh, suggestions for movies you'd like us to cover at info at That's Not Sexy Pod.com. Thank you so, so much for listening. Bye. Gracias. Au revoir. Au revoir. Okay. That was awesome. That's Not Sexy is brought to you by Morning Fog Entertainment. Created by Alexis Mixter and produced by Alexis Mixter and AJ D'Agostino. Edited by John Morrow with music from Disasternaut and extra inspiration from the Dag Morrow hounds, Bowie and Scully. We love you.